and get rambling. You don't want me doing that. My, well, hey, my well, sugar's high enough already. Exactly. You know? Before you go too far down that road, let's kick it over to our interview, Mike Griffith, previewing this Tennessee at Georgia football game and all over the SEC, all kinds of topics we hit with Mike. So let's kick it over to this one. Well, we're pleased to once again be joined by Mike Griffith. Of course, he works for the AJC's Dog Nation. Give him a follow at Mike Griffith 32 Thanks for joining us, Mike, during this busy week. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, everywhere you go, the game surrounds you. You know, I've been up here in Knoxville doing some uh, work from the Tennessee side of it and, you know, what Tennessee's saying about Georgia and, of course, keeping it monitoring all the stuff coming out of Georgia, all of Kirby's press conferences. And, you know, the buildup is, it's a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun this week and it's uh, certainly promises to be an exciting game. Yeah. Well, before we get to uh, not only the game of the week in the SEC, but really the country, uh, I did want to ask you this real quick. Georgia's coming off that big win over Florida, Billy Napier in his first year. He, if he loses Mike on, on Saturday, he's an underdog at A&M. He's going to be one in five to start his career in the SEC as a head coach. Do you think Billy Napier is um, is is the man for the job down there in Gainesville? What's your thoughts on that? You know, well, it's it's probably too early to make that call. I mean, you know, when you when you hire a coach, you got to give him two or three years. I think that said, I've seen coaches come in and and fare really well. You know, when when Billy Napier beat Utah, I thought that was a really big win because. You know, as you know, um, coaches have to kind of earn the trust of their fan base and, and, you know, get more runway. You know, kind of like I think what Brian Kelly's done. I think when Brian Kelly came in, I don't think he was as well-received as Billy Napier. I don't. I think there was a lot more people he had to prove something to, and, and, and I think he's proven it. Regardless of how the season turns out for LSU, we've seen some really big wins, and, and I think he had a more challenging situation in some respects. Uh, than Billy Napier. Billy Napier's got a, an incredible quarterback in Anthony Richardson, albeit one that's still developing. Uh, I, I think this is a big game for him. I really do. I think it's a big game for Billy Napier and for Jimbo Fisher. And uh, you know, Billy Napier's got uh, what Vanderbilt left and Florida State, I believe. Um, you know, I think that Florida State game is, is important. That, you know, that's an opportunity for him to win that game. And if he can get the Gators into a bowl game and beat Florida State, Mike, I. To me, that's that's kind of a bare minimum of what you want. If Florida's not in a bowl and loses to Florida State, I mean that's boy, that would really be not good. Um, but I'm I'm still kind of on the fence. You know, I've heard good things about Billy Napier, um, and I've seen some things with his coaching that I've wondered about a little bit. I saw a lot of third and long runs against Georgia, which I really, frankly, I didn't understand. I mean, you got Anthony Richardson back there. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a method to his madness. Uh, what he does on the recruiting trail is also important. Um, so that's a that's a pretty long answer uh, to say that the jury's out. Hmm. Well, from one former Saban assistant to another, I'm I'm really enjoying these interviews you're doing, Mike, with Jeremy Pruitt over at uh, Dog Nation. I love watching it on YouTube. How did that all come about? And how interesting is it that? Uh, you know, we all know Pruitt, it didn't work out as a head coach, but he's still one of the best defensive minds in the country. He knows Georgia. He knows Tennessee. Uh, I just thought it was fantastic getting his insights into this big game. Uh, how did that all come about, you interviewing Jeremy Pruitt every week? Yeah, well, you know, Jeremy's a guy that, you know, I, I covered um, Tennessee uh, when that coaching change occurred. 
And so uh, one of my assignments was to go down to the national championship game where Jeremy finished up as a defensive coordinator and they were playing uh, Georgia in 2017 and connected with Jeremy there. And it really covered him through the whole off season. Uh, went to a lot of the, um, you know, they go, they have these, Tennessee has all these big orange caravan stops and I'd go to those and, and I knew Jeremy through a lot of people, you know, Mike, I, I go back to the nineties. I covered Alabama and I covered the Alabama, a team that, that Jeremy was a part of. And, um, you know, I, I knew Freddie Kitchens really well and Will Friend. Uh, those were Jeremy roommates. Jeremy was on those was on those Alabama teams. And I also knew one of the coaches that coached the scout team. It was the running backs coach. And, and he was tight. So we knew a lot of the same people from Alabama from my time down there. I didn't know Jeremy when he was on the team because he was like, you know, second team safety, a kickoff guy. He only played really one or two seasons after transferring to MTSU. So I never really knew Jeremy there, but we know a lot of the same people. And then when he came up to Tennessee and was the head coach, I had, obviously I had a really good relationship with him because that's what you do when you're a beat writer. You know, you, and when you say really good relationship, I don't, I don't think fans can really understand it. You're not friends with these guys. You don't go to their houses. Nobody's sending anybody any cards. Okay. It just means a professional relationship where they understand you've got to ask questions. And they appreciate that you give them an opportunity to answer without just making some blind comment or putting something on social media. It's just, it's a professional relationship. And again, I, I, I know some fans don't understand that thing. Oh, you know, this guy loves it. No, you really don't. Um, you know, when the job's done and you go somewhere else and they go somewhere else, nobody's sending any Christmas cards. Okay. But you got to have a professional relationship. And, and I had that with Jeremy and he appreciated the way I asked questions and he appreciated that I was fair about what I wrote. You know, people remember that. And so, um, you know, I reached out to, to have him on uh, last summer on a podcast and uh, he agreed to do it. I thought it went really well. And then once the season started, um, you know, I had him on the first week and, and it went really well asking him about games around the league. And, and I said, hey, you, you want to do that again? Yeah, well, sure. You know, and, and it just kind of became something fun because, you know, Jeremy knows a lot about football. Uh, as you said, he worked side-by-side side with Kirby Smart for six years on that Alabama staff. I think he worked for Nick himself 11 years. Uh, he worked under Jimbo Fisher at, Texas, at uh, Florida State for two years. He won a national championship there. He coached at Georgia for two years under Mark Rick, so he knows, that you know, the, the Georgia territory and understands the – you know, the Georgia community that, that watches that, that on the beat show every Monday night. So I think it just made a lot of sense. You know, he, you know, I think there's a trust there. Um, I think he likes working with me. I like working with him. I think he's, you know, fun on the podcast, all that other stuff, you know, what, you know, Tennessee and NCAA look, that's business. And that's, that's Jeremy's business and that's Jeremy's life. And he's got to settle that however he feels his best. Um, but in the meantime, life doesn't stop. Um, you know, Jeremy still watches football. Jeremy still loves football. Jeremy will be back in football. So why not have him on and why not talk about these games? And so that's what we do. Hmm. Well, so let's fo- ship gears to the game. Mike, uh, Nolan Smith, we all know by now, out for the season. That's that's a tough break for Georgia. How big of a loss will that be for this Bulldog defense going into what looks to be their, their toughest matchup of the season going against this Tennessee offense? Well, I mean, it is a big loss. I mean, it is the Sacks leader, and Nolan's kind of an emotional leader. Uh, you know, I always compared Nolan to a Raptor. You know, this this guy can really close on quarterbacks. I mean, uh, you know, Hendon Hooker is, uh, you know, I don't want to say thanking his lucky stars, but, but you know, you, you knew where number four was lined up, right? I mean, this is a guy 
guy that caused problems. Next to Will Anderson, probably the preeminent pass rusher in the league. Uh, you know, Robert Beal steps in. Or, you know, Robert's a veteran. Actually led the team in sacks last year. And while Robert maybe doesn't have the same burst closing speed, I think he plays the run really well. Uh, I think he's a, a very capable guy. I think he's a guy that's going to play in the NFL. Um, you know, they, you know, Robert would, you know, when they go three, four, he's the, you know, fourth linebacker. So he played a lot of snaps uh, as well. You know, where we've seen, um, you know, Nolan played. You look at the snap distribution. Robert played a lot of snaps. He played more snaps than Nolan. So he's a capable guy. He's not as dynamic, but he's capable. He had a sack last year against Tennessee, and he had two quarterback hurries. So. This is a guy that can be effective. Um, you know, this is part of what makes Georgia so good uh, and why they're a championship contender. They have championship depth. And, you know, Mike, it's interesting. Actually, you know, Georgia lost their sacks leader last year uh, after the Florida game. You remember Adam Anderson had the off-the-field issues and was suspended. And the next man up was, at, was uh, Robert Beal, ironically enough. So uh, Georgia's been here before. They've got a capable guy. It's going to test their depth. There's some young guys behind Robert that are going to need to play more snaps. Um, uh, Chaz Chambliss being one of them. Uh, maybe MJ Sherman been the program a minute, but, but Georgia's got some capable guys. So I, I don't think it's enough to say it changes the outcome of the game, but I think it maybe makes things a little bit easier for Tennessee in the pass game, uh, but, but not in the run game. Now, is, is this the – you've been down there on the beat covering the Georgia Bulldogs for a number of years. Is this the biggest game that you've covered in Athens? Well, I mean, it, 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 yes, it certainly appears to be. I mean, it's a battle of two number one teams. Now, I will say when Georgia played host to Notre Dame in 2019, uh, you know, that was a really big deal, right? I mean, that was a really big deal, a battle of two uh, top ten teams. We hadn't seen that in Athens in a non-conference game in a long time. And anytime Notre Dame comes, obviously, in the national spotlight, uh, I believe that was one of the night games. What was it, Mike? They can only use uh, two night games a year. Um, was it CBS that can only use two nights? There was some exemption that can only be used rarely, and I know there were some Alabama fans that were miffed that you know Alabama-LSU wasn't going to be a night game because they chose Georgia-Notre Dame. The TV people basically told everyone how important it was. and It was a classic. It was an instant classic. It came right down the last minute, and the Sanford Stadium crowd really made a difference. I don't normally say that. Um, because I don't think crowds usually make a difference. I know they like to think they do, but I really don't think they do. But that night they did. There was like six false starts on Notre Dame, and it was a one-possession game, and you go, you know what, neutral site, Notre Dame probably wins. Uh, I wonder if Sanford Stadium can make that kind of a difference against Tennessee with the hurry up, and how the game goes will dictate that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, you've got two number one teams playing, and, and, and honestly, Mike, I know that we're in this playoff age where – you know, there's four teams, and you know you can. If you're a fan of a team, you can justify some scenario. Well, oh, we can lose and still, you know, you know what? I don't think so. I think it's loser out, man. I don't think I don't think if Tennessee or Georgia loses that they that they have much of a path to the college football playoff because of their schedules. I mean, and, and I also think the SEC's down this year. I know that is a really unpopular thing to say. And, and even though it's down this year, it's still the best conference, by the way. It'll still produce the most number of draft picks. But, you know, I don't think Alabama is, is, is what we thought Alabama would be. I, I don't even think Alabama is what they were in the latter stages of last year, you know, once that offense got, grown, got going and that defense really grew up. I mean, I think Alabama's been a disappointment this year. Shoulda, woulda, coulda lost to Texas A&M. Shoulda, woulda, coulda lost to Texas you know, mismanaged the clock and blew the game against Tennessee. 
Um, I still don't see any receivers there that are anywhere near uh, as effective as what we saw last year at, at Alabama. So Alabama's not what we thought. LSU, obviously, new coach. Um, you know, that program was you know, kind of sunk into disarray, but it's not a typical LSU team. I mean, Brian Kelly's trying to get it there. You know, you talked about Florida earlier in the show, and, you know, Florida's been kind of a, you know, disappointment, I think. I mean, as good as Anthony Richardson is, I mean, speaking of having no receivers or playmakers, uh, you know, and Kentucky, I mean, it's basketball season number one and number two, you know, they, they turned out to really, you know, just roll over and play dead. I mean, I know that was one of your hot teams, Mike so I know that one hurts you but man you had to be as surprised as I was when when they got beat like a drum by South Carolina and and then losing 44 I mean just at least make it respectable Will Levis doesn't even get 100 yards rushing and throws three picks I mean I, I, Kentucky's got to be the most disappointing uh team in the league I mean goodness gracious uh you know just you know utter disappointment uh Texas A&M I mean we all thought well Jimbo Fisher and five stars and you know they've been garbage how many games in a row have they lost now I mean, I guess if we're talking about, you know, Ole Miss, you know, oh, yeah, I guess I guess they're okay, um, you know, but, you know, they got beat like a drum by LSU and they got Alabama coming up. So I, that's when I say the SEC's down. I mean, um, you know, yeah, I kind of – but and, and yet, you know, Georgia beats Oregon 49-3, to right? Um, so and, – and Oregon looks like a pretty good football team. So I, coming back full circle to you, um, the thing that I'd be worried about uh, if I'm a George or Tennessee and, and my team loses is, you know, does TCU run the table? They're not going to keep out an undefeated Power 5 conference champion over a one-loss non-SEC championship uh, uh, participant. It's not going to happen. So you're going to need TCU to lose. You're going to need Clemson to lose, right? You're going to need Michigan or Ohio State to stumble a second time because I think that I think that Michigan has earned a little bit of street cred, uh, even though Georgia destroyed him in the Orange Bowl. I think Michigan has looked better. I think C.J. Stroud, you know, listening to the committee talk last night, and, you know, even though we can look at the statistics and say, hey, wait a minute, Georgia actually has better offensive numbers than Ohio State. Yeah, but they don't have C.J. Stroud, right? They don't have a Heisman guy. I mean, let's face it, ratings sell, Mike. And, and those are human beings in that room. Those are 13 human beings that are affected um, you know, by their feelings and by their thoughts. And like a jury, they can be won over, you know, by a convincing witness, right? They can be won over by a convincing quarterback. And if we're really talking about the beauty contest and you put C.J. Stroud up against Stetson Bennett, regardless of what the statistics might say, they're going to take C.J. Stroud. When they talked about the teams, they mentioned C.J. Stroud by name. They didn't mention Stetson Bennett. So, you know, think about that. And, and, you know, Georgia doesn't have the same offensive sex appeal, even though the numbers tell you that they're really more efficient than anyone. They're the best in the nation on third downs. They're the best at red zone proficiency and scoring. Uh, they're the best in the number of first downs. And yet we had to hear C.J. Stroud's name last night. So that just kind of tells you what you're up against. Georgia's got to win or they're out. I think Tennessee has a slight chance because they have played a little bit beefier schedule than Georgia. Not Georgia's fault that some of these teams turned out to be crap. I mean, Kent State was supposed to be the best team in the MAC. They're not. When, we, when Georgia only beat them, you know, that was an ugly win. Mm-hmm. You know, Missouri, you know, capable, but they don't have a lot of wins. That's going to hurt Georgia. They were down 10 points to that team, one of the lousiest teams in the league. That, that hurts your resume. I'm sorry, it does. So I think this game is very important in terms of the playoff repercussions. 
All right, final thing I got for you, Mike. How many points is it going to take, do you think, to win this football game? And and maybe you just tipped your head, your hand a little bit there, but do you, what's your confidence level that Stetson Bennett can lead Georgia to a win if it does turn into a shootout and, and he's got to go score for score with Hendon Hooker? Well, now you put now, Mike. You put it like that. Now, come on, you're setting me up here. <laughs> you're asking me about a. You're, you're putting Hendon Hooker up against Stetson Bennett. Does that now? Come on, that's not fair. You got there's the defenses count too. Okay, mm-hmm. so I think Georgia has a better defense than Tennessee. I think I don't think I'd be offending anyone by saying that, right? Right. I think I think Hendon, I, I did offend some people last year, and I apologize to those people in advance because they. Moved may be offended again. But I suggested last year that Georgia would trade Stetson Bennett for Hendon Hooker if they could. I said that. I want to apologize to anybody who's offended or disrespected by that. I know that that wasn't a popular thing to say last year. But I think it's true. And and I don't think there's any shame in that, Mike. I I think Hendon Hooker has had an exceptional season. I mean, Hendon Hooker's got 21 touchdowns and one interception, maybe 22 touchdowns and one interception. And Stetson's got nine touchdowns and three interceptions in an offense that's been designed around him with pass catchers like Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington. So I'm not trying to be ugly here. Now, Stetson Bennett has improved as the quarterback, and he's worked very hard, and he's deserving of everything he gets. And I enjoy interviewing him. He's a bright guy. I enjoy his uh, his passion and, and his resiliency. I want to be really clear because sometimes people take it personal when you make professional assessments of players as, as players, not people. So I don't want to hurt any feelings, Mike. I, I really, I hesitate, but you asked me that question in a way that I feel compelled to share with you that I think Hendon Hooker would be the preferred quarterback. Uh, again, I just, I hope nobody's feelings are hurt here because people got really mad last year. Really, really mad. People who write blogs that you would have never heard of, you know, suddenly tape record interviews and write stories about. Mike Griffith said, well, I, here's why I'm saying it. So I want to make sure that everybody understands that, you know, I, I don't hate Georgia football because I think Hendon Hooker is a preferred quarterback. So all that said, I got to be, like I said, I want to be very clear on that, Mike, because fans got really, really mad. But uh, I think Hennon Hooker is very good. And um, the difference is, though, I think Georgia has great safety play with Christopher Smith and Malachi Starks. And I think that's the difference in the game, is that Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp and Glenn Schumann, this is the best defensive coaching staff in the country. And I believe Todd Munkin is a brilliant play caller. He'll maximize Stetson Bennett. And the good news for Georgia is, if Stetson doesn't have a great game, they have answers. Carson Beck is ready to play. They can run the ball effectively. Georgia has answers. So that's what it all boils down to uh, for me, is that if things don't work out for Tennessee with Hendon Hooker and throwing the ball and, and, and playing a hurry up, I don't think there's a plan B that beats Georgia. But if Georgia can't do this, A, or Georgia can't do B, or this player can there's another player that can or there's another scheme that can, or there's another way, you know, for Kirby Smart to get it done. I think that's why Georgia probably wins uh, this football game, 
maybe by three to seven. How many points will that take, Mike? I mean, how does the game called in the secondary? It's like an umpire strike zone. Could it get up into the 30s? Yeah, maybe. I kind of feel a, a 31-28 or a 33-26 or maybe a 37-30 game coming on. But I, I'm inclined to think that Georgia slows Tennessee down a little bit. Boy, that's a dangerous thing to say. Somebody's going to get that sound bite and play it over and over if Tennessee puts more than 40 on them. But I just have a feeling that this Tennessee defense, uh, or excuse me, this Georgia defense is so well coached uh, and Kirby Smart does such a good job and these safeties are so good. You know, Mike, Jeremy Pruitt said this, and I know you heard this, Mike, when I asked Jeremy on the podcast, do you think that Georgia can learn anything from the Alabama tape? And he said, yeah, he learned that that's not the game plan to go with. He said they can learn what not to do. <laughs> so I'm going to take Jeremy's word for that. And uh, those those are my thoughts. I don't have a final pick or anything. And, I, and this game really could go either way, and I wouldn't be surprised. Just I don't have a whole lot of conviction in one team or the other. I just think it's going to be a great game and with two really good quarterbacks and uh, two really good coaching staffs. All right, he's Mike Griffith. Give him a follow at MikeGriffith32. Don't forget to check out all his work, Dog Nation, from the AJC and the YouTube channel, of course. Mike, thank you so, so much. All right, have a good one, Mike. I really appreciate it. All right, buddy. So, hey, once again, just want to say thanks to Mike Griffith. He's one of the true pros in the SEC. He's always been good to us. Been on the show a number of times throughout the years.